Who is there for heroes of the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's gold star, fallen first responder, smart home, and homeless veteran programs comprise their in-the-line-of-duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's never-forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In the 17 months since President Biden took office, he has proven to be a failure on so many things. The border crisis, the Green New Deal, skyrocketing inflation. Biden's approval rating among Americans continues on a downward trajectory as a result of all this. But just imagine how much worse the country would be if Democrats had their way. We'll get into all of this in tonight's Hold the Line. As our economy has come roaring back, we've seen some price increases. Some folks have raised worries that this could be a sign of persistent inflation. But that's not our view. Our experts believe, and the data shows, that most of the price increases we've seen are, were expected and are expected to be temporary. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. 
That was President Biden back in July saying that inflation was going to be temporary. Remember that? Well, of course, that turned out to be laughable. And now they've run through all the different iterations and variations of it was somebody else's fault. Oh, it's not happening. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, you're racist because you're Republican. Whatever. January 6th, come up with something, anything other than facing up to the reality that the American people in all 50 states are seeing, and particularly in the blue states, I might add, where the price of gas in places like California is outrageous. Motorists across the U.S. are grappling with gasoline prices that are reaching new records almost daily. In a handful of locations, a gallon of regular fuel now costs as much as the federal minimum wage, which is $7.25. Now, this would be, you would think, in a normal political era, you would expect that politicians, at least politicians who want to keep their jobs and want their party to stay in power, would be moving heaven and earth to do everything in their power to make sure that this is addressed, that prices in whatever way they can come down, they increase production, they allow the market to flourish, etc. But you see, here's the issue. Biden and his team, they actually think that fossil fuels are yucky. They think that they're gross. They think that CO2 is a pollutant even, and therefore has to be regulated almost like it's toxic waste that everybody is breathing out and that plants breathe in. They are climate lunatics. This is what we're dealing with. And that's why in this moment of real national concern over the price of gas and price of energy in general, which also, of course, means the price of everything that you buy, everything that is transported to you, everything you need to heat or cool your home and to run your household day to day, those prices are all up. Inflation's at a 40-year high. But Biden's like, you know, a crisis is an opportunity, of course, and high gas prices are part of this amazing mosaic of transformation into a green future where we can all just run our lives based off of windmills and solar power and stuff. Watch. When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. An incredible transition. We'll be less reliant. Think about this. We have essentially not enough, or rather not cheap enough, production of fossil fuels now. That's the problem that we face. We have high inflation as well. And Biden, instead of saying, we clearly are wrong in our disdain for fossil fuels, which is the blood of our, the lifeblood of our economy, essentially. Without it, you, the whole thing comes to a screeching halt. Instead of accepting the Democrats are wrong about this, he takes the approach of, well, we're going to have some pain for a while, but the good news is that we're going to be in this Green New Deal future in just a matter of time, where, as I said, the windmills and the solar power and all that stuff, you know, so you're going to suffer for a while, peasants, but eventually maybe your grandkids, you know, they'll, they'll be paying a, a little bit less for their energy that they're getting because it's coming from wind farms or something. It doesn't even matter. For, it's all absurd. It's all so stupid. It's hard to even keep a straight face as you talk about this because the right now is economic deprivation and failure under Biden's watch. That's what we're actually seeing. They can talk about 50 years. Oh, we're going to transition to a climate neutral future or whatever. Meanwhile, 40% of baby formula is out of stock nationwide. And the people in charge of uh, the elite imbeciles, 
None more clear than Nancy Pelosi on this point, or none more clearly fits that description. Here she is when asked earlier today about gas prices and inflation. Pelosi's got some non sequitur ready for you. Watch. Uh, in terms of inflation, so much is being done by this president. We just passed the other day two bills in terms of price gouging and market manipulation, bring down the, the cost of, of price at the pump. And that has something to do with the war in Ukraine, but mm -hmm. not everything, but a good deal of it. We're also uh, working on reducing the cost of food for people because of the exploitation, again, of, of the consumer uh, uh, by some in the agriculture industries. Okay, but over and above all of that, understand that unemployment, president created almost 8 million jobs. When unemployment goes down, inflation has gone up. I mean, she is so stupid, it is dangerous to listen to her. Honestly, you think, I am getting dumber with every moment that I have to actually watch that woman, and this is my job. I can't imagine what people just sitting at home feel like. First of all, the idea that Joe Biden created 8 million jobs is beyond laughable. What she really means is that as we allowed for normal business practices because the psychotic shutdowns were ending in places across the country, which didn't do a damn thing other than make everybody poorer and more miserable, yeah, those are created jobs because you said, okay, I'm not going to arbitrarily shut down your business anymore. That's brilliant. You know, it's amazing. And her, her comment, of course, about how inflation is almost like a good result of the low unemployment we have is moronic beyond words. But Nancy Pelosi is a lunatic friend. I mean, this is somebody who hasn't pumped her own gas probably in 50, maybe 60 years. And she wants to tell you about all the good things they're doing to fix the economy. She doesn't know a damn thing about how to fix the economy. This is a woman who married a rich guy and has been sitting around running for office in the most lunatic liberal district in America, pretty much, for the last, well, as long as I've been alive. Does she ever say anything of any worth or intelligence? No, but the lifestyle liberals in the San Francisco Bay Area who vote for Nancy Pelosi feel better about themselves voting for an old lady who should have retired a long time ago anyway. And then there's, if you really want to see the heights of arrogance and disdain for everyday people, you know, the peasants, you, me, anybody who doesn't go along with this and doesn't fly private. John Kerry, speaking of somebody who only flies private, remember back just a couple months ago when he was complaining, there's a massive uh, war going on in Ukraine, between Russia and Ukraine, obviously. Russia has thousands of nuclear weapons. It's a big problem. It's a horrible humanitarian catastrophe. But John Kerry saw what the real issue was, the diversion away from the urgent need to fight climate change. Watch this. I'm very concerned about, I'm concerned about Ukraine, massive uh, emissions consequences to the war, but equally importantly, you're gonna lose people's focus. You're gonna lose certainly big country attention because they will be diverted. And, and uh, I think it could have a damaging impact. I hope President Putin will help us to stay on track with respect to what we need to do for the climate. Putin will help us stay on track with what we have to do on climate. The guy just invaded Ukraine. John Kerry's worried about him being a good climate partner. These people are zealots. You saw it. I'm not making it up. You see what they say. They're completely out of their mind. But the good news is Americans are figuring this out. A new approval, poll, uh, approval rating poll shows that 57% of registered voters said they disapprove of how Biden has handled the presidency. 40% say they strongly disapprove, 17% saying they somewhat approve. So his numbers are absolutely atrocious. But I always just want to sit here and say, 
who who thinks he's doing a great job? Like, I I actually want to have a sit down. With, I would be fascinated. It'd be like talking to a space alien. Who thinks Joe Biden's done a good job? And speak really slowly. Sound out the big words so I know what you're trying to say to us. Who thinks Joe Biden's done a good job? I want to meet that person. Joe Biden doesn't think he's doing a good job. Jesse Kelly is the host here at The First TV that's on in just a little bit. He's a buddy of mine. He's joining me next to discuss more of Biden's failures and how the Democrats are handling and worsening the crippling inflation here. But first, let's talk about protecting your online data for a second. Big tech takes advantage of you. You know that. They mine your data, remine it, sell it. You don't benefit from that at all, and they're just invading your privacy. So if you think about it, you got to make sure you do something to protect your emails, texts, and messages. Make them actually private. That's where Secure comes in. Secure's email platform is 100% private. It's Swiss-hosted. They use their own servers in Switzerland, have no ties to American big tech companies. With Secure, there is no data mining whatsoever. It's totally private. This is what makes Secure different from every other email and messaging provider out there. The best email platform in the world when it comes to security and privacy. Unmatched. Look, there's a reason Secure built their company the way they did. We need to make a stand now, take back our privacy from big tech monopolies. So go to secure.com right now. Use discount code BUCK. It'll only cost you $7.50 a month, $7.50 a month for full access. Use that promo code BUCK. You'll see it's a great deal. Secure.com. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Promo code BUCK. Support for my podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. The performance package 4.0 includes a ton of men's grooming products like the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a bunch of other great men's hygiene products you never knew you needed, plus a travel bag to hold it all. The lawnmower trimmer is the best. It's got a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, and it's waterproof, so no more messes on the bathroom floor. You'll also get the waterproof weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer with proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in all those delicate areas. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BUCK to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools with Manscaped. When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less relying on fossil fuels when this is over. What an incredible transition it's been, everybody. This morning, the cost of gas is still a record high. It's pain at the pump for the American people as President Biden claims the U.S. is going through a transition as we move toward greener options, of course. Good me now, the reaction, the host of I'm Right with Jesse Kelly here on The First TV and nationally syndicated radio host, Mr. Jesse Kelly. Hello, sir. Well, naturally syndicated, thanks in no small part to a friend of mine by the name of Buck. Maybe you know him, but we're not going into that right now. That's like when it comes to the Joe Biden stuff, I've actually I'm a little bit nervous about it. And this is what I mean by nervous about it. I'm nervous about how cold they are when they're selling how bad everything is now, because this happens whether it's Jen Psaki or Jean-Pierre or Joe Biden or some random talking head on the news. 
they're always presented with something black and white of, hey, normal Americans are getting slaughtered by this. What do you have to say? And normally a politician, no matter their party, would pretend to care. You know what I mean? But pretend yeah, like course. some empathy there. But now there's none of that. They can't hold, they can't help themselves. It's either completely dismissive or they blow it off or they're flat out celebrating it. It's an exciting transition. And the reason it makes me nervous is are these people in an even better, more secure position of power than we think they are? Because the way they speak, they speak like people who are no longer interested in having the population on their side. And this is not like a one-off. It's not a random Joe Biden bad moment. This is a consistent theme for the now almost two years of his presidency as they talk like they don't give an F. So just on the gas prices issue for a second here, the national average today was $4.59. We go as 4.52, month ago 4.12, year ago $3. So we all understand that trajectory. And, and what's, what's fascinating, Jesse, is to watch the way that the Democrat talking points on this shifts depending on the week, where it was the Putin price hike. No, of course it's not, because the price of gas was going up well before Putin even invaded Ukraine. Uh, to they, on the one hand, say that we're gonna, the world is going to end unless we get rid of CO2 and, and we transition to green energy. But on the other hand, they, they get so indignant when we say, well, hold on a second. You're, you guys are hostile to fossil fuel exploration, to domestic oil production. They say, no, no we're not. How can that be? They tell us that it's going to end the world unless we cut back on it. So it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. Well, it makes perfect sense when people understand Western governments have declared war on their own people. It's the most dangerous thing happening in the world today. It's been a slow build for the last probably 10, 20 years. But this, the truth is, Buck, this goes beyond America. The governments of the West, including America, have decided that not that China's the problem, right? Or not that North Korea provocation, or even really Russia, they're not necessarily concerned about those things. When they have their gigantic meetings, the Biden administration or the World Economic Forum or whatever it may be, they're not sitting down trying to solve the problem of gas prices. They're sitting down trying to solve the problem of you. There is something in the way. There is something in the way that is stopping the world from being this wonderful place that is ruled by these kings and queens. And that something is you, Buck, you and your viewers. And that's really how they talk. There's these dirty people with their freedoms and, and things like that. They, they talk about us as if we are this low life scum. And part of being this low life scum is we're the scum that's destroying the planet with climate change. So of course, low life scum like you and like me, we deserve to pay these gas prices. I saw a picture online, $7 a gallon in LA, one gas station, $7 a gallon. And you look at that and I look at that and you think, well, how are working, working people supposed to live? I mean, normal people can't just that, well, congratulations, you got a hundred extra dollars in costs this week. Normal people can't withstand that. But the Biden administration and the governments of the West look at that and they think, Nice, that's exactly what we need. And, and it's, it's hard for people to accept that you're ruled by sociopathic monsters, but I am a sociopathic monster and I'm telling you that's what these people are. We are ruled by people who don't have even that much care about you. You brought up Putin price hike, sorry to filibuster here, Buck. You brought no, up go the for Putin it, price hike. I, I've been mortified by that, more mortified than other people by the Putin price hike thing because the Putin price hike 
what happened was they have these prices that are crushing normal people. I mean, families are having to make horrible, life-changing decisions because of these prices. And instead of like a Biden administration, all hands on deck meeting where we're gonna try to get these prices down, instead they had a big meeting on who they could blame for it. That's, that's stunning. They don't care, it's not that they don't care about you. That would actually be preferred. They hate your guts. They're trying to make it worse. This, this notion, by the way, of, of the ascot wearing, yacht riding, Davos loving, globalist elite that run the Democrat party and unfortunately run a lot of the, uh, the supposed democracies all over the world. It, it's not a caricature that isn't deeply rooted in reality. <laughs> like for example, John Kerry who has a magnificent habit for him of only marrying very rich ladies who got money from their, <laughs> their previous husbands. John Kerry's been great at that, by the way. He's done it, you know, two in a row. He's amazing. Here he is in Davos, of all places, while, as you say, working people are looking at their gas and also food, by the way, and rent and all of the prices they're dealing with, and their savings being depleted every month by sitting in a bank account if they have any savings. And Kerry's like, Now's the time for a global energy transformation. Watch. We stand on a precipice. Um, and if you pull back from the precipice and do the things we need to do, we have an incredible future ahead of us with the capacity to open up a brand new, unbelievable uh, economy globally in the world's greatest transformation ever as we move to a new energy economy, as we get pollution out of the air, which is what is causing the climate crisis. CO2 is not a pollutant. I know they pretend, but plants need it to survive. And there's a whole lot of need for plants all over the world. This guy, I mean, he honestly, he sounds like a, to your point about a sociopath, people are really hurting right now. There's a huge global food shortage that you and I know is coming, by the way. A global food shortage is going to be really bad. We have a baby formula shortage in America. And John Kerry's like, oh, great time. Great time to push the global energy revolution toward the Green New Deal. I think it's important for people to understand, Buck, that if John Kerry was able to have whatever he wanted, if we were just able to hand the keys over to John Kerry, that that man and that video you just played would kill more people than Stalin, Mao, and Hitler combined. That's how anti-human this environmentalist ideology is, because as you just pointed out, when you declare CO2 to be a pollutant, well, uh, that's what you're breathing out right now. They think you're the pollutant. There's that saying, we've all seen it, you're the carbon they want to reduce. These people, and look, a thousand of these guys have been caught on camera and otherwise discussing how we need to reduce the Earth's population, oftentimes by billions. I believe one of the first climate change guys said the ideal population is 3.8 billion. Now, Buck, I went to community college, but carry the one that, that means we've got a few billion people to kill on the way to getting there. These people, because they're anti-human communist monsters, they do think people deserve to die because they're destroying the planet. And what's wild about that is if we were to hand those keys to John Kerry and he was to kill all those people, he would go to sleep every night with his big oafish head and his stupid chin and he would lay it down on his pillow and he would go to bed thinking he was the good guy every single night as people died. He Sorry would. to interrupt you there, but I am I'm allergic to commies, as you know. Um, and, and with that in mind, I just want to know, do you think, I mean, are you, you know, you, you do a national show, radio show, I do a national radio show. I'm hearing from people, we've actually even had some people reach out who are Democrats, who are, are fully red-pilled now to the GOP. They are all in, they're like the COVID lockdowns, inflation, the economy. Are we heading in the right direction here for a 
Democrat Party that is at least wounded, if not entirely uh, crushed going into the presidential election after that? I think we're heading in the right direction for different reasons. I, yeah, we're going to have a GOP wave in the House and the Senate, and all those things are going to feel really good. But the truth is, mostly it's angry parents who are taking back school boards across the country. That's what has me inspired. And these corporations finally backing off, not diving into politics, thanks in no small part to Heavy D and the legislature in Florida. Corporations are sitting down and shutting their mouths. That's a good cultural direction. It's been a very poisonous thing for our culture to sit down and turn on the game on Sunday and have to find out why your 10-year-old son should chop his penis off. That we're moving away from that kind of insanity is a good thing and something we should all feel happy about. Moving in the right direction there. Jesse, thanks for being with us. See you, boss. Everybody has Georgia on their minds as voters there head to the polls to elect their new governor and a whole lot of other uh, races that are up. Senior writer at National Review, David Harsani, joins me to discuss the record high voting turnout. Before we get into that, I want to tell you about the silencer shop. If you're like me, you believe that it's your right to keep and bear arms. More than 100 million Americans identify as firearm owners, and in 2021, there were more than 3 million new gun owners in the United States. Silencer Shop is the number one source for suppressors in the U.S. They're a Texas-based company founded in 2010 with a focus on outstanding customer service. They've now grown into a network of over 4,000, and they're powered, uh, powered by Silencer Shop dealers rather across the country. There's probably one near you. Silencer Shop kiosk makes the NFA process easy for your suppressor, your short barrel rifle, or any NFA item. By tapping into Silencer Shop for your ATF E-Form 4, you'll get, your, uh, you'll get your can in your hands faster than ever. Customers have said they receive their suppressors in 70 to 90 days. Check out Silencer Shop's YouTube or Instagram pages or visit silencershop.com. And if you're at the NRA annual meeting in Houston, May 27th to 29th, be sure to stop by their booth. Partner with Silencer Shop for the easiest way to get your suppressor, and we will be right back. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. It is decision day in Georgia as the GOP primary is going on right now, pretty hotly contested. That stands Brian Kemp and David Perdue are front runners on the Republican side for the governor's race. Stacey Abrams, is running unopposed as the Democratic candidate, and we shall see how all of this bakes out. You know, David Perdue was backed with a Trump endorsement early in the race. The news of our former Vice, uh, Vice President Mike Pence now supporting Kemp leaves everyone wondering how things are going to shake out here. Join me now to talk about Georgia and more, senior writer at National Review, David Harsanyi. Mr. Harsanyi, make sense of the madness. What's going on in Georgia today? Well, there's a lot of people voting, even though Jim Crow 2.0 has been instituted there, according to our president. That's first of all. And uh, I mean, it looks like looks like Kemp was ahead in polls. But, uh, I guess we'll see how it'll shake out. So that's a fascinating uh, little data point to throw in there. I've seen the early, uh, the early voting tally so far, David. And not only is there a record turnout, but 
African-American early turnout is higher than it has been previously with the new Georgia voting laws in place. So I, I suppose what this is going to be turned into then is, oh, the record they're setting would have been an even bigger record when it comes to voting were it not for the suppressive effect of the Jim Crow 2.0, as Biden calls it. Well, yeah, I mean, I do think this is vitally important to talk about because um, not only, you know, obviously there's a political angle to this where they want to make it seem like Republicans are trying to suppress the vote, you know, that it's a racist, uh, voter integrity bills are racist. But also, if you remember, they wanted to pass these huge bills that federalized elections across the entire country off of this thing. Um, H.R. 1, I don't know if you remember, was a Pelosi bill, maybe she wrote it, that would have like made illegal for felons to vote, that would have, you know, allowed people to count ballots like 15 days after the elections. It was a whole slew of things and, and things that had nothing to do with the election, uh, sort of, uh, uh, you know, attacks on free expression and things like that. Um, because of this law and laws like it, but clearly, like, I can't disprove that more people wouldn't come out to vote, but clearly, at the least, we can say it isn't harder to vote um, than it was before. And frankly, you know, even if it was harder, it just shows that people are willing to just show an ID or do the very basic fundamental things to to let people know who they are before they vote. It seems like an important part of, uh, of our electoral process. And I think this will diffuse in most people, anyone who's paying attention, the idea that these laws are anything like Jim Crow, which is just preposterous. Here's uh, sitting Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia on CNN with the Jim Crow 2.0 talking point. Watch. Voting rights uh, are foundational, that this is the work we have to do. And I have to tell you, you know, that I was heartened when I heard him speak so clearly mm -hmm. about how urgent this is, uh, recognizing that this is Jim Crow 2.0. I mean... I just don't think, I don't think that a serious, honest person could say that when you look at the laws in Georgia and then you look at, say, Delaware or New York, very blue states that have substantially more restrictive voting laws. Right. Or if you remember the uh, Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado, where it's harder to harder to vote. I mean, there's more, you know, mail-in voting, but it's far harder, you know, as far as ID goes to vote than it is in Georgia right now. And by the way, Georgia had many things that they did that made it easier to vote, longer, uh, you know, uh, early voting, things like that. There were like four things. So um, I think it's a very reasonable law. Yeah, of course, he's not honest and he's, you know, he, he knows that's a lie. And what, what's bothersome is this perpetual victimhood that he's trying to sell. Like, no matter what you do, no matter how many African-Americans go out to the polls, they want that community to feel like they're not participating in the democratic process, which is just, it's just simply a lie. And frankly, when I see Folks say that uh, you know that 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 an African American can't get an ID like anyone else. I mean, I find that actually more racist than I do anything else that's going on in this debate. I mean, it's just treating people like they're not up to the task of getting an ID in today in America. It's just it's 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 disgusting. Here was uh, Joy Reid on MSNBC. She couldn't even uh, get about uh, a sentence. Joy, Joy Reid, The View, Brian Stelter. There are some content uh, content creators out there in Democrat land that I got to say, very, very glad as a conservative that they're providing us with constant commentary. 
Uh, here's Joy Reid, though, talking about how, you know, Trump or something. Watch. Georgia was ground zero for the disgraced former president's scheme to steal the 2020 election. Tomorrow, voters will determine if Republican attempts to steal the next presidential election will be stopped. Polls indicate that the race for governor will likely be a rematch of 2018 between incumbent Republican Brian Kemp and Democrat Stacey Abrams. Stealing the election again. They didn't steal the election last time. Can I just, can, can you explain to me how is it that we're always told about election integrity? You can't question election results. Stacey Abrams walks around as the fake governor of Georgia. She says she won an election. She didn't win it. She's not the governor. And they act like that's fine. Yeah, there's, there's, there's two sets of rules that we have to play by. You know, for years, uh, Democrats were challenging Donald Trump. They challenged Donald Trump's election, you know, uh, you know, in Congress. And no one stole an election. I don't like what went on on January 6th, but no one stole an election. It wasn't a coup. I don't know what she's talking about that's gone on in Georgia that was stolen. Only Stacey Abrams says that. And uh, even Democrats, most Democrats don't 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 say that. And uh, and the next election, listen, the most Democrats have not accepted a presidential loss since like George, uh, you know, Elder Bush. They didn't accept 2000, not really 2014. They didn't accept Trump and they won't accept the next one. This is just how politics are. But they get to say it and they get to have shows on television. And if you say it when you're a Republican, you get kicked off Twitter. I mean, it's just two sets of rules. And there's I don't know what we can do about it other than just keep pointing it out. By the way, you mentioned the Major League Baseball All-Star game being moved. Here's a, a headline up on MSN. Major League Baseball won't say if it regrets moving All-Star Game over Georgia voting law after voting records shatter narrative. Wokeness in baseball too? Moral panic in baseball, David? What is the country coming to? It's, it's a problem. I mean, it makes me not want to watch baseball, and I love baseball. So I can't imagine that a, a fan who's not as into it as I am, for instance, would just say, forget it. Same thing with basketball. You know, I, I just, and, and the more involved, and it's needless. No one would have said, oh my God, MLB didn't get involved. I mean, a few sort of fringe characters would have said it, but no one would have cared. But now people care. I mean, you know, I don't want to get up too off base, but someone was suspended on the Yankees the other day because he called a player who referred to himself as Jackie Robinson, Jackie. So like he was suspended because of racism, which I, I literally cannot comprehend right now. So the more we see of this, I think the more fans these, these institutions will lose. David, the sage of I don't know, the D.C. area, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure exactly where you live, so we got to come up with a cool name for you. But anyway, David Arsani, everybody. Good to see you, man. Thanks. The White House once again had to publicly walk back President Biden's comments on Taiwan, of course. We'll talk with Dean Chang of the Heritage Foundation about it in a moment. The Biden gaps continue during a press conference with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida. President Biden revealed to the world the U.S. would indeed come to Taiwan's defense if they were invaded by China. Comments by the president put the whole world in shock and left some believing he has once again proven he is unfit to be commander in chief. Joining me now to discuss this and more, senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation, Dean Chang. Dean, good to see you. Good to see you. Just so we're all clear, this isn't the first time that Biden has had a gaffe that involved a very sensitive area of Taiwan-China relations and U.S. foreign policy, right? This, he's, he's not a first-time offender. No, uh, this seems to, in fact, be the third time, uh, which is, makes it either a charm or a strikeout. 
And, and how big a deal is this? I mean, for, I'm sure the Chinese Communist Party, they're going to, already, they've been churning out a lot of bellicose rhetoric in response to this and, you know, playing with fire and major consequences and all that stuff. But what is the, the, uh, the strategy that we have of uh, ambiguity, right? Is that actually, is it really ambiguous? I mean, people wonder about this. Like, what is, what is the purpose of that exactly? Why can't we just say one or the other and then we can always change our minds? Well, uh, if you think you're going to change your mind, that actually undermines deterrence. So the reason why we have a policy of quote unquote strategic ambiguity is because we are trying to send distinct messages to both Beijing and to Taipei. To Beijing, the message is essentially do not try to invade the island of Taiwan. You're welcome to try and do peaceful reunification. But if you invade, you run the very real risk of American military intervention. But we also are sending a message to Taipei saying, don't rock the boat. Don't go and declare independence. Don't try and hold a referendum uh, of the island's population or where you stand about reunification, because that is almost certainly going to precipitate a conflict between Beijing and Taipei. Uh, right now, the president in Taiwan, Tsai Ing-wen, has been very careful, but we've had past presidents in Taiwan whose attitude was just about, the Americans are gonna come and save me even if I you know, cross the line or precipitate a conflict. And we are not in the, normally the uh, place of writing blank checks to people. Now, what do you think the Chinese uh, leadership is taking away from, if anything, the troubles that Russia has had with, granted, it's a, it's a land war, different geography, different part of the world, different militaries, but there seemed to be a, uh, I don't know if you call it a consensus, but a widespread talking point you'd hear in, uh, in the, at least the media commentary about how first goes Ukraine and then goes Taiwan. One, I mean, do you buy that as, a, as an analysis line, that that was the thinking in China? And two, given what's happened in Ukraine, do you think that China is thinking twice about a military, uh, a military effort to seize Taiwan and make it a part of mainland China? Well, working backwards with your questions. First, Beijing has never renounced the willingness to use force to reunify. Uh, they've doubled down on that. They've made very clear the People's Liberation Army's job one is be prepared to take Taiwan if it's ordered to do so. That being said, uh, what has been happening in Ukraine is a reminder to everyone, not just the Russians or the Chinese, but also to our own military, that conventional warfare, high tempo operations, is extremely difficult. It is something that easily can go wrong. You often heard when we first went into Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, counterinsurgency is a graduate level of warfare. Well, Clearly, undergraduate warfare, uh, conventional high uh, tempo operations is not a gut course either. Uh, for the PLA, they are very carefully watching the Russians, just like they've watched us, they've watched everybody else. Um, and they are definitely going to be deriving lessons, uh, both in terms of military issues, uh, the capabilities of drones, of artillery, things like that, but also things like the need for a Chinese financial transaction network and the need to insulate China from global sanctions because Russia clearly has failed to insulate itself from those same sanctions. By the way, we talked about this, but just to, to clarify or, or to, to make it very clear to everybody at home, uh, Bloomberg reports that since taking office, Biden has repeatedly used language about Taiwan that appeared to alter policy in place since around the time of the U.S. Uh, switching diplomatic recognition to Beijing. 
Last year, Biden or his aides needed to clarify his remarks on Taiwan on at least four separate occasions, including his description of the island as independent. So yes, there's, there's been plenty of, of gaffes from Biden. Of course, we're told that that's supposed to somehow be endearing, I think, Dean, or something that's, you know, a, a Trump gaffe is starting World War III. A Biden gaffe is, oh, it's just that old Irish charm from, from good old Biden. Uh, but do you think the Chinese view him as somebody that they can essentially play on the chessboard, that they could actually outmaneuver him just based on, well, a lot of things? Well, I think so far what's been demonstrated is that both he and his staff can certainly be played. I mean, if you think about it, why was it that when they did the Xi uh, uh, Biden summit, they scheduled it for 8 p.m. at night here, which was 8 a.m. in the morning there? So the Chinese would be you know, ready and raring to go early morning. And President Biden, who seems to have some a somewhat more limited uh, activity schedule, is now forced to stay up past his bedtime. Um, that was not good staff work. Anchorage was not good staff work. Tianjin was not good staff work. Blinken calling the Chinese foreign minister as the situation is collapsing in Kabul, begging the Chinese to help restrain the Taliban. That is not good staff work. What, by the way, have we seen from, in the early days of the conflict in Ukraine, there were all these reports about China strengthening its relations with Russia, particularly in the economic front, to help Russia evade the worst parts of sanctions. I think we've all seen the sanctions, well, certainly haven't worked as advertised in the early weeks of, of the war. But have we seen a lot of, uh, a lot of increasing of ties and economic and, and even maybe diplomatic activity between Russia and China as a result of the conflict in Europe? We have a mixed track record. Very clearly, the Chinese are not abiding by sanctions. Very clearly, the Chinese are continuing to trade with Russia. They seem to be filling their strategic petroleum reserve, as we're emptying ours, uh, with cheaper Russian oil. Um, but let's keep in mind one of the most interesting uh, side notes here is that Beijing has never recognized Russia's annexation of Crimea. That they seem to still be withholding, uh, whether to leverage something better out of Moscow or because they do want to maintain good relations with Ukraine, from whom they are also purchasing a lot of things. They've purchased a lot of wheat. They've also purchased some technology from them uh, is unclear. But this idea that somehow she once again would either turn his back on Russia or would even help us, which was a real pipe dream in the early days, is, is not, there's no evidence that's occurring. Dean, appreciate the expertise. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Mayor Eric Adams of New York City requests the installment of gun screenings throughout the Port Authority bus terminal. We got more on quick hits coming up next. Right now, let's talk about protecting your home. If you own a home or property, here's two reasons you never want to become the victim of title fraud. Home title fraud, that is. When a cyber criminal worms onto your home's title, he'll take out loan after loan using your home's equity. Then he'll vanish, leaving you to prove you didn't commit fraud. And then also you could be a victim of home title fraud and not even know it for months. No agency notifies you or asks if you sold your home or added someone to the title. <coughs> You'll find out when the collection calls start for those loans, loans that you never took out. Nobody knows more about how to help stop this crime than Home Title Lock, America's trusted leader. Here's what I urge you to do. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, read the testimonials from retired FBI agents and others, then register your home address to see if you're already a victim. When you protect your home, tell them Buck Sexton sent you for 30 free days of protection. That's home. TitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com. Quick hits, up next.
Stacey Abrams takes a page out of Biden's book with a gaffe of her own, and a father takes to TikTok to help raise funds for his transgender child's hormone surgery? Wait, really? Wow. Time for quick hits. Let's get into this. Uh, first off, a Georgia Senate candidate, I'm sorry, gubernatorial candidate, Stacey Abrams, um, doesn't seem to be willing to admit what is so plainly obvious to everybody right now, which is that the story that Democrats told the American people, that it's Jim Crow 2.0 in Georgia now, and that there's all these voter suppression efforts, you know, because very basic voter integrity measures, the most straightforward, universally applicable stuff that has nothing to do with any individual's race or anything else, just trying to make sure that there's some accountability and some traceability in the election process, make sure that there's integrity and there's not cheating. Easy to vote, hard to cheat. That's the whole plan. But they said that that means it's Jim Crow 2.0. And as we've discussed in the show, the voting tally show, that's not true at all. There's not vote. If this is a voting suppression plan, it's the worst one ever because it's making more people vote than ever before. But Stacey Abrams is just going to say, don't worry, um, it's still voter suppression. Watch. The question about voter suppression and voter turnout is causation without correlation. We, I'm sorry, you can make mistakes even when you know what you're talking about. It's correlation without causation. We know that increased turnout has nothing to do with suppression. So there's a campaign of suppression that's worth calling, let's be clear, Jim Crow 2.0, but it is so ineffective that they're setting records all across the state of Georgia, the people of Georgia setting records for voting. Right. We're supposed to believe that. Stacey Abrams apparently thinks everybody is a moron, at least everybody that she's speaking to and who believes the nonsense that she spews. Here is a father who went public on TikTok to raise money for his child's transgender surgery and hormone therapy. I'm raising money to help fund my son's transition-related costs. I'm sharing this with his permission. Um, Basically, we already have a diagnosis of gender dysphoria for him. Um, we have gotten his blood work done, and we need to start him on puberty blockers as soon as possible. I'm just wondering, does anyone ever notice how so many of the transgender children out there have parents that have uh, blue hair and nose rings? Just does, does, seem, does seem like a remarkable coincidence, doesn't it? Which tends to also associate with certain political beliefs and a hyper-progressive outlook on life. I'm just, it, it's, it's hard not to notice it, isn't it? Oh, anyway. And then New York City's got big problems with crime. Eric Adams is an imbecile. He's the mayor. He's not doing a good job. So he's going to bring in uh, gun scanners to the Port Authority to combat gun violence. That's what's being reported on by the channel PIX11. Um, this will do absolutely nothing to reduce gun violence, but got to say he's doing something because otherwise people might realize he's just bad at the job. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high. Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. 
Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.